From New York's Hudson River Valley, I'm Ed McCann, and this is Read 650. Read 650 celebrates writers and the spoken word, five minutes and 650 words at a time. And on today's show, we celebrate mothers with three different perspectives on mothering and motherhood from writers Catherine Mayer, Sarah Bracy White, and Jennifer Rawlings. My mom's television remote control is broken, and somehow this is my fault. I was just nine months old, but my mother needed to return to teaching. I'm a mom. I have four biological children and two by marriage, my stepson and my husband. And on today's Between the Lines segment, writer Lucille Escaro reveals how childhood eavesdropping on her mother's telephone conversations became a virtual writer's workshop in creating characters and dialogue. When my mother chatted on the phone, walking back and forth, twisting the long curly cord in her thin fingers, I couldn't help overhearing her conversations. That's all just ahead on Read 650. For most of us, our mother is our first love. For a time, she's our entire world, serving as our protector, nurturer, and teacher. Our relationships with our mothers is simple and elemental, while at times being the most fraught and complicated relationship we'll ever know. And if you are a mother, you also know it's the hardest job there is. We begin today's show with Katherine Mayer. Catherine Mayer, known as Kathy and Kate, is a potty mouth writer, humorist, and activist, writing out loud with humor and angst about social issues, parenting, midlife, and gun violence prevention. She's a reluctant inductee into AARP, a mom of four mostly grown and flown kids, and an aspiring writer with rejections to prove it. Here's Kate reading Remote Control. My mom's television remote control is broken, and somehow this is my fault. She calls often to let me know, as if I could ever forget. My mom is not helpless, far from it. She is also not your stereotypical, made-for-TV, warm-and-cozy, milk-and-cookies, grandmotherly type. Not a chance. She's more Grandma 2.0, a tech-savvy senior, first in line at Apple, for the latest and greatest I-whatever. Sure, she's a crazy cat lady who quilts and reads and does yoga, yet she's also on Instagram, Facebook, and my kids tell me, Snapchat. She has one Facebook account for her iPad, another one for her iPhone, because she can't remember all these passwords, Kathy. If she had more electronics, she'd have more Facebook profiles. You can bet on it. She is not a wallflower, but instead a brick wall of opinion, of attitude, of brains and strength and willpower and conviction. She's politically active, loud, opinionated, and not a fan of waiting her turn, ever. She can convince, convert, and complain effectively enough to get cable companies to show up doctors to share personal cell phone numbers, and credit card companies to refund late fees and, get this, apologize. And yet, if something breaks in her home, 
This is my fault, mine. The six degrees of separation has no limits. Kathy, are you there? This is your mother calling. She shouts each syllable with deliberate enunciation into voicemail. TV remote not working. Remote broken. You fix the hot water heater, and now the remote does not work at all. This is your mother. Click. Water heater, remote. I don't see the connection, but okay. Kathy, is that you? This is your mother. No power. Power is out. Using cell phone, power out. You fix the printer, and now my power is out. This is your mother. Click. For someone so tech-savvy, she has yet to grasp the ins and outs of the telephone and is always surprised when I actually answer the phone. Kathy, is that you? Yes, Mom. You called me on my cell. It's me. Oh, sorry. Didn't sound like you. The garage door, not opening. And yes, I pushed the button. It's broken. Ever since you were here to help with the cats, what did you do? It hasn't worked the same since. Kathy? Are you there? Yes, Mom, I'm here. She's equally surprised when her calls are somehow sent to voicemail, which happens a lot because, you know, caller ID and all. Kathy, dryer broken. Broken, does not work. Loud noise, Wi-Fi working. Dryer broken. Call me back. This is your mother. Click. Kathy, Netflix not working. Login fail. This is your mother. Click. She leaves messages as if English were not my first language. As if I had another mother. Despite living several area codes away, and regardless of her innate talent to navigate the internet and customer service with ease and remarkable success, it is me she calls first with whatever crisis besieges her. So I respond with my own midlife teenage temper tantrum, and I ignore her incessant texts, and I send her calls to voicemail. I claim Facebook abstinence to the relentless posts and messaging. I tattle desperately to my sisters and beg one of them to take the fall. I mean the call. But I remain a good daughter. So eventually, in a couple hours, maybe days, I do call her back. I'm sorry, Mom. I missed your call. I was working. What's up? And it begins. Her long list of grievances calling to attention all that is not working in her life. But here's the thing. She is me. She is my future. I can feel it coming. Someday, sooner than I care to admit, my own TV remote will die, and I, without fail, will text a kid or two, maybe leave a staccato, desperate voicemail about malfunctioning life, and ramble on about how I need them to listen, please, and come right away, to fix whatever is broken. Catherine Mayer is occasionally funny on Instagram and Twitter at Kathy Kate Meyer, and she plays well with others on Facebook. 
Her blog is a National Society of Newspaper Columnist Award winner, and her essays appear online, in print, and most often on refrigerators. She lives in Newtown, Connecticut. Sarah Bracey White is a writer, teacher, and arts consultant with degrees from Morgan State University and the University of Maryland. She's an inaugural fellow at the Purchase College Writer Center, and her contribution to today's show is My Other Mother. Here's Sarah Bracey White. My father was blacklisted from teaching because of his efforts to get equal pay for colored teachers in our South Carolina hometown. I was just nine months old, but my mother needed to return to teaching. Reluctantly, she accepted her oldest sister Susie's offer to care for me in Philadelphia until I could go to school. Aunt Susie was married with a successful home laundry business, but childless once again after the recent death of her four-year-old adopted daughter. As I grew older, Aunt Susie relished my lively nature, talkativeness, and interest in everything and everyone on Smedley Street. My first memory is of the workroom in the basement of Aunt Susie's row house. I'm about four years old, standing at one end of a long wooden table, dressing and undressing paper dolls. She's at the other end, stacking freshly ironed sheets and pillowcases into bundles, securing them with brown paper, and sealing the bundles with craft tape that she moistens across a shiny metal dispenser. She's singing, God bless the child who has his own. Aunt Susie's skin is smooth and dark brown. She says it got that way from drinking her coffee strong and black, just like she is. She lets me drink coffee, but always puts plenty of milk in mine to keep me from getting dark like her, she says. She laughs when I tell her that I want it black so I can be just like her when I grow up. You sure won't have to do the work I do, she tells me. You're going to college. During the summer, men with big box cameras hooked on long legs often come to Smedley Street to take children's pictures. Aunt Susie says it's because they know the colored and white homeowners on our block have enough money to pay for pictures of their children. Aunt Susie always buys the pictures they take of me. The summer I'm five and a half, my mama sends for me to return home to South Carolina. I don't want to go, I tell Aunt Susie. I don't want you to go either, she says, but your mama wants all her children home with her. You're hers, not mine. Memories of my life with Aunt Susie sustained me long after we parted. From afar, Aunt Susie became my single parent family's guardian angel. When one of us was sick, she wired money for the doctor and medicine. Sometimes the money orders she tucked in her letters paid the light bill or the rent. If my sisters or I needed something extra for school or after-school programs, all we had to do was write to Aunt Susie. Soon a box or letter would arrive bearing the requested item or money for it. 
My mother died during my senior year of high school. Days before graduation, I received a letter from Aunt Susie. In it were a train ticket, a $20 bill, and a brochure for a girls' camp in Vermont where she'd gotten her friend to give me a summer job as her kitchen helper. Aunt Susie beamed at my college graduation. See, you made it, just like I told you, she said, grinning proudly. Years later, when I self-published a book of poetry, Aunt Susie requested two dozen copies and sold them to her neighbors and my old friends on Smedley Street. Her check for $196 came along with a note that read, I'm so proud of you. Can't wait until your next book comes out. One day, you'll be famous. I can't ever be famous, I wrote back. Stories about famous people always include pictures from their childhood. I don't have any. The next time I visited Aunt Susie, she handed me a box full of photos taken during the five years I lived with her. Now, she said, you don't have any reason not to be famous. <laughs> Sarah Bracey White's published works include Primary Lessons, a memoir, and The Wanderlust, a South Carolina folktale. Her essays have been published by the New York Times, the Afro-American newspapers, and the Journal News. She's a frequent contributor to Read 650 and lives with her husband in Ossining, New York. Jennifer Rawlings is an award-winning writer, performer, and filmmaker who's appeared on Comedy Central, PBS, VH1, A&E, CNN, and elsewhere, as well as in the film I Am Battle Comic. Jennifer has two popular TEDx talks, and her solo show, I Only Smoke in War Zones, tours globally. Recorded in her home in Los Angeles, here's Jennifer Rawlings reading Mom in a War Zone. I'm a mom. I have four biological children, and two by marriage, my stepson and my husband. For 20 years, I've been traveling to war zones to entertain the troops as a stand-up comic. I've traveled to over 70 countries and done over 350 shows for the military. I performed in countries like Iraq, Afghanistan, Bosnia, Kosovo. There's always two questions people ask me when they find out I travel to war zones. The first question is always, aren't you scared traveling to war zones? Yes, I'm scared. I have zero military training and I hate to fly. The second question people always ask me is, oh, don't you miss your kids when you travel? <laughs> no, I do not. If I only had one kid, I probably wouldn't be so motivated. But quite honestly, with all those kids, I need the break. Now, I do call my kids every single day from a phone bank at whatever base I'm on. But it's difficult for them to call me. Not that I'm complaining. Cell coverage in Iraq and Afghanistan is patchy. I remember one day just outside of Fallujah, Iraq, the military base where we were performing at was under heavy enemy fire. Mortars were dropping in the distance. The power was knocked out. Flickering embers lit up the evening sky. A soft breeze carried the smell of eucalyptus mixed with the sharp, acrid smell of bombs exploding. 
The clatter of two Black Hawk helicopters with their rotor blades still churning was several hundred feet away. These helicopters were waiting to fly us to Babylon, Iraq. Black Hawks always fly in pairs. So far on this tour, all the comics and I would be in one Black Hawk and our luggage would be in the other Black Hawk. But tonight, everything was different. We were gonna be flying lights out so the insurgents couldn't see us. The local rebels were shooting anti-aircraft rocket launchers. As soon as we got off stage that night, and the stage was a flatbed truck, we ran to the chopper, ducking our heads because the blades were still going to ensure for a faster takeoff. As I started to climb into the first chopper, the military host pushed me and the three remaining comics into the second chopper. And I'm thinking, I'm sure the military is splitting us up to cut their losses or something. As I climb in the helicopter, my heart is racing. My breathing is heavy as I sit down on the nylon seat in the chopper. The pilot and the co-pilot are performing the pre-flight safety check as I buckle and harness myself. <sighs> I close my eyes in fear. Moments later, I am jolted by a buzz and a vibrate. What's that noise? What's that noise? Oh my God, it's my phone! Hello? My hand is still trembling. My son Noah says crying. I can feel the blood leaving my face. I have given my kids strict instructions to only call me in case of an emergency. Who's hurt? Who's dead? What's on fire? My mind is racing. Elijah ate all the Cheez-Its, Noah says, gulping his words. What? I ask in disbelief. Surely, my middle child is not calling me in Iraq to complain that his little brother ate all the snack food. Elijah ate all the Cheez-Its you bought. I didn't get any. Noah sobs. Will you go to the store and buy some more? I take a deep breath. And what I want to say is, why can't your dad, who's probably sitting in the den, on the couch, watching golf, go to the store and buy you some more Cheez-Its. I'm 8,000 miles away being shot at. He's eight feet away watching someone putt for birdie. But like most moms, I bite my tongue and I say, I love you, Noah. Of course I will go buy you some more Cheez-Its. Jennifer was named one of the 21 changemakers of the 21st century by Women's E-News, and her directorial debut, Forgotten Voices, Women in Bosnia, screens at film festivals and universities worldwide. Rawlings has written for television, books, film, and for several publications, including the New York Times. Our executive producer is Richard Kolath. I am your host and Read 650's founder and executive editor. Our editorial team is Stephen Lewis, David Masello, and Lisa Donati-Mayer. Sarah Caldwell is Chief Technology Officer and Troubleshooter. Fran Tuno is our announcer. And our show was produced by Jim Russick. We'll be back after a short break. I'm Ed McCann, and this is Read 650.
Support for Read 650 comes from City Winery, a fully functioning urban winery offering intimate concerts, food and wine classes, private events, and fine dining. City Winery strives to deliver the highest-end combined culinary and cultural experiences to guests passionate about sharing wine, music, and good food. City Winery brings the wine country experience to the city. View the complete event schedule at citywinery.com. Lucille Escaro has always been a writer, but only recently, since retiring from teaching, has she been able to devote herself to the craft. On today's Between the Lines segment, Lucy recalls developing her ear for dialogue by eavesdropping on her mother. Here's Lucille reading Writing by Ear. Before I was a writer, I was a listener. A second child, younger than my popular sister by seven years, I became one of those children who learned how to craft a cloak of invisibility out of obedience and compliance. I was polite and helpful, stationing myself just far enough away from the grown-ups so that they forgot I was there, and I'd drink in all their conversation. This eavesdropping might have been construed as rude behavior, but it became my nascent writer's workshop in creating character and dialogue. When my mother chatted on the phone, walking back and forth, twisting the long curly cord in her thin fingers, I couldn't help overhearing her conversations. My ears were attuned to her speech, the sibilance of her S's and the way her voice went lower before she said something she probably wouldn't have wanted me to hear. Listen, she'd hiss. I'm telling you that she must be over 40 if she's a day. And then her voice got low. That blonde hair came straight from a bottle. I didn't know how hair could come from a bottle, but I knew better than to ask my mother about it. My friend who lived down the block had two grandmothers, and I was envious and fascinated because... Mine were both dead. Her grandma Helen, large and round, who wore pearls and fur hats, didn't come by too often. I gathered that was fine with her daughter-in-law, my friend's mother, because when she talked about her to my mother, she called her either you-know-who or that one. Grandma Tilly was my favorite. Not much bigger than a child herself, she was like a strong wind that uprooted objects invisibly. She never stopped moving around the house, always cooking or cleaning, leaving the combined aromas of frying onions and lemon wax in her tiny wake. She spoke with a mixture of Yiddish and Brooklynese. When we were out playing, she'd call my friend Esther in for dinner by screeching, Mamala, the eats is showing on the fire making. When I want to write about my early life, all I have to do is close my eyes and listen until I hear their voices again. They join together to create the vocal overture to my story.
Lucy Ascaro is a repeat contributor to Read 650, and her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Good Old Days Magazine, Reflections, and online at boomercafe.com. She lives in White Plains, New York, with her husband and dog, who, she says, both encourage her work. Between the Lines is a regular feature of our show where writers of all genres contribute their thoughts on writing and the writing life. For details, click the Submissions tab on our website, read650.org, where you'll also find open submission calls for upcoming shows. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with a friend. And if they don't know how to subscribe to our podcast, please show them. New episodes drop each Writer Wednesday at 6.50 p.m. Eastern Time. If you like what we do, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. Well, that wraps it up for today, and we extend our thanks again to writers Catherine Mayer, Sarah Bracey White, Jennifer Rawlings, and Lucille Iscaro. For more Read 650, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or at read650.org. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Ed McCann, and this is Read 650.